Hey, welcome to Under the Bridge, party people. And the place to be. That it is, under the bridge, nowhere else. Yes. Certainly not above <laughs> the bridge. <laughs> Certainly not beside the bridge either, under the bridge. No. How would beside the bridge work? Would you be like holding your arms out but just like having your body like just horizontal at the same time no no you're you're in the creek bed mm. next to the bridge ah fair enough fair enough. you are just not under the bridge <laughs> that makes more sense anyways i'm cody aka the scarlet troll and i am greg aka greg and we have got some news let's get to the news yeah let's start with the gaming stuff You'll never guess which game is getting DLC. Multiverses? Xenoverse 2. Okay, no, that was not on my bingo card. Okay. <laughs> Got him. Alright. Yeah, it's actually getting DLC packs still. These ones are based on Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Oh, okay. I don't care because I don't care about Dragon Ball, unfortunately. But I am happy for the people that are fans of it. Yeah, I'm not even a fan of the game, but mm. I am a fan of Dragon Ball stuff, more or less. Fair so Gamma enough. 2 is being added. And okay. it's teased that Gamma 1 is also coming. Yay. We don't know what else, but it is expected that Piccolo and Gohan's new transformations are going to be included. Which, uh... I don't know if you've seen them, but... No, I I haven't. I was getting ready to say, it's like, okay, so this is how out of tune I am with Dragon Ball, because I didn't even know that they had transformations. Okay, I'm not going to show them on this, because that probably still counts as a spoiler, but mm -hmm. I'm going to send them to you, starting okay. with Piccolo's new transformation. Okay. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Does it now? It just hit me that them getting new forms at all was probably a spoiler, even if I don't show them. No, but that doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's not the worst. It's certainly better than... Oh boy, it's certainly better than this other one, which you will see momentarily. Okay. This is some real DeviantArt-looking stuff. Hmm. This is a Well, that's a tad tryhard. Just a bit, yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. I am overpowered. That's just all I'm getting out of that. I am Jesus. Pretty much. I am Japanese Jesus. <laughs> Shonen Jesus. <laughs> JRP Jesus. Oh, no. <laughs> yes! I have cracked the code. Good lord. I'm not even sure this segment's staying in. No, probably not, but still. <laughs> I might just cut this entire bit, actually. <laughs> That'll be thematic for what we're going to talk about movie-wise later. So we're potentially starting... <laughs> <laughs> ...with Rockstar saying goodbye to Grand Theft Auto V. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Finally? After, what, three console generations of re-releasing the same damn game? Rockstar published the game's credits on its website and a thank you message to everyone who's been involved since its original release. That's actually a shock. I thought they were going to just milk the shit of that at least for another year or two. And still no GTA 6. No, I mean, I think it's been quietly more or less confirmed that it's in development. But it's one of those things where it's like, 
yeah, there's another GTA. Of course there's another GTA coming. We're just not going to tell you anything about it. And it's like, okay, but fair, but also what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So I I thought that was worth noting just because of how absolutely monstrously huge of a game Grand Theft Auto V is. Yes, and the fact that that game's what that game's at least ten years old at this point, isn't it? I think it was twenty thirteen. Oh, so nearly there, but still, like I said, three console generations. <laughs> that is, in fact, nothing to sneeze at. No. Oof. All right then. And now the weirdest bit of game news I was able to find. Hmm. Elden Ring is getting a manga adaptation. Is it now? Yes. I'm actually kind of curious about that. That sounds neat. And in fact, apparently the first two releases called The Road to the Air Tree have already dropped. Okay. I I don't know a lot about Elden Ring lore because I've barely scratched the surface of that game, even though I've owned it for like four months. But that sounds neat. I'd very much like to play it, because I dig games with deep mythology, but I'm also a salty fucking loser. I, I was gonna say, you would get mad instantly. The game yeah. is hard. The I game tried is playing hard. Demon Souls, that's enough for me. If you didn't like Demon Souls, you will not like Elden Ring. Or Dark Souls, for that matter. Apparently it looks like it's going to be a comedy manga. Is this being done by Shonen Jump? No. Ah, uh, still interesting. Still the first two chapters are entitled You Thought This'd Be Serious, Didn't You? And mm. Probably Maiden. Nice. Okay, yeah, I'm, I am very interested in this. I might actually look for that later on after we're done here. Well, they are apparently available for free via Comic Walker. Okay. Alright. Good to know. Good, Very much good to know. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's less Elder Rings getting a manga adaptation and more... Elder Ring's gotten a manga adaptation that is set to continue with more. Alright. And English releases are coming at the same time as Japanese versions, apparently. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Well, it says alongside, so hopefully that means at the same time. Or maybe it's like kind of like what they do with the anime, where maybe it's like a week or so release difference. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We shall see. Anyways, that's all the gaming news I was able to scrape up. You got anything? I don't know. I guess the only thing that was really worth, I guess kind of worth talking about, even though it's kind of a affirmation of intentions, is that apparently recently with the whole like Microsoft buying Activision thing, they did say that they intend to have it, intend being the key word, that, you know, with the major franchises, with a focus on Call of Duty, obviously, is to keep the multi-platform so they're still going to be available on, like, besides Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. But they're going to also hopefully have it where Call of Duty will be, like, a day one Game Pass title, which okay. is not a shock at all. Yeah. It's it's always kind of been... It's always kind of been a thing of, like, it was the route that made the most sense of having it be on all platforms but basically making it where Game Pass and Xbox is the best way to play it. That would track. Yeah, so that's kind of the only real noteworthy thing, but again, that's, or at least the only noteworthy thing that popped up in my radar, but again, that's just more of an affirmation of already assumed things more than anything else. True. So I suppose we are good to move on 
to film stuff and film adjacent stuff. To the film stuff. There's been a lot of stuff happening. In film. Yes, but most of it's only kind of sort of in my circle, because mm. I only have the attention span to pay attention to so much. Which is completely fair. So, for example, the Venice International Film Festival has been going on. Okay. And the only things that I've taken away from it are that Don't Worry Darling got a four-minute standing ovation. <laughs> and Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser, got a six-minute standing ovation. Encouraging? Yeah. No, it's really good to hear for Brendan Fraser, who is yeah. on the middle of his big movie man comeback. Yeah, as I say, I'm definitely more happy about Brendan Fraser getting positive attention than anything else. Yeah, there might be some kind of behind-the-scenes drama going on with Don't Worry Darling. I've been looking into it mm. a little bit, but I haven't been able to substantiate any of it, so I'm just gonna not even bother. Right. I try to be many things, but a rumor monger is not one of them. No, that's that's not good journalism. So that's going on, and is very exciting, I suppose. Mm. The Emmys also happened. Or at least the Creative Arts Emmys happened. The Primetime Emmys are September 12th. As I say, I don't remember which movie award show it is that we collectively do not care about. I can remember if the, it was the Emmys or the Oscars, or both. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Emmys are better than the Oscars, at least more dignified, I think, at this point. Fair. RuPaul got a seventh consecutive win for Outstanding Host for a Reality or Competition Program. What is he the host of again? RuPaul's Drag Race. I have never heard of that. Really? Nope. Wow. I, I take it it's not actual, like, vehicle drag racing, is it? No. Okay, I didn't think so. No, it is not. Never heard of it. Not even kidding. Huh. <laughs> I... I did not expect you to have not heard of this. I mean, it's probably one of those things where... I might have seen bits of it, but I never, like, paid enough attention to see, like, what it was called or anything like that. Because there's a few, like, shows and even movies that I've had that with. Just to read one sentence off the Wikipedia page, because I've never seen it, but I am aware that it exists. The mm -hmm. show documents RuPaul in the search for America's Next Drag Superstar. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound like fun. <laughs> so, seventh win. That's impressive. That is very impressive. So, Chadwick Boseman got a posthumous Emmy. Nice. That's very sweet. Outstanding voiceover work in What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord. That is a very sweet um, accolade. Indeed. Yeah, so, very good. And, additionally, Barack Obama is now the first U.S. president to win a competitive Emmy. For what? Outstanding Just... narrator for Netflix's Our Great National Parks. <laughs> I okay. How did that not register on my radar? I don't know. That is, I mean, good for him. But Barack Obama narrating a documentary series is was nowhere on any bingo card I've ever written up. <laughs> Just saying. And Eminem is now only a Tony Award away from an EGOT. From an EGOT. An EGOT, yes. I don't know what that is. Well, you gotta find out. Oh, 
Anyway. <laughs> In actuality, it's when somebody's won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Oh. Wow. I don't know. Sometimes I do forget about how long Eminem has been at this. And that was a reminder of it. <laughs> right? Good for him. Very good. He's a very talented fellow. I enjoy his music, and I enjoy his very comedic beefs that he has with other, like, industry people. So, all about it. Indeed. So, yeah, that's the little bit that I know about the Emmys that are going on currently. Mm-hmm. You still haven't seen Nope, have you? No, I have not. Well, you should, because we might be getting a sequel. I did actually see that pop up on my news feed. It's like, huh, because... The movie still hasn't released internationally yet, has it? I'm pretty sure it has. Okay, good. Because that was my worry initially with how... I first it seemed like it wasn't going to get an international release. But I actually saw that pop up on my feed at one point. I was like, okay, so that's a good sign. Which I am also all for. Because again, I am all for Jordan Peele getting to do more things. So yeah, everything, that. Yeah, and it's like even though I've been very bad about seeing it, everything I've seen about the movie from people who have seen it is just, like, nothing but praise. So, yes, all about that. It sounds like it's got enough positive reaction to warrant it, so I'm happy to see that. Yeah. More specifically, what happened was, in an interview with the New York Times, he was asked about a character listed on IMDb as Nobody, who is not apparently in the film, and he said... People are doing a lot of interesting detective work is what's going on. The story of that character has yet to be told, I can tell you that. Which is another frustrating way of saying, I'm glad people are paying attention. I do think <laughs> fans will get more answers on some of these things in the future. We're not over telling all of these stories. Okay. So does that mean we're getting a... I mean, that could mean a few things, like a nope um, sequel would probably make the most sense, but part of my overactive brain can't help but go... Uh, Jordan Peele Cinematic Universe incoming? Ooh. Don't threaten me with a good time. For real. <laughs> In the slew of Warner Brothers casualties... <laughs> oh, boy. One survivor has emerged. And his name is John Cena? No, her name is... Her well, okay, yes, Peacemaker Season 2 is still happening, but that was already confirmed good. before everything got... Hack and slash to the ground in a furious fit by Zaslov's bloody axe. Good. But no, her name is Harleen Quinzel. Oh, good? Season four! Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I've been watching season three, and we'll have to figure out how to continue to watch season three despite having canceled my HBO Max. <sighs> and then I'm gonna have to figure out what to do about season four. Yeah, no. I do genuinely feel like... Granted, I know that it sounds like season four was just confirmed, but I feel like it's one of those things where, from the little bit I've seen of season three, but even with all of Harley Quinn that's come out, if they just straight up like, yep, Harley Quinn's canceled with no real explanation, like, what has been happening, um, people would probably actually riot, be very, very pissed you off. You say that, but I feel like if Batgirl, I, I don't think it would get more of a riot than Batgirl. Because I think the thing is, yeah, canceling Harley Quinn would be a shit move and would just add fuel to the Zaslov doesn't give a shit about diversity and is seemingly an asshole who doesn't actually care what people like kind of jerkwad. But... Dumpster fire. The thing is, Harley Quinn has already had three seasons. 
So mm. I feel like that wouldn't stir as much outrage as this thing that was almost done and had $90 million spent on it got canned for no reason other than to write it down for taxes. Ah, uh, fair. I do think there would be some really bad press about it, but I don't think it would be anywhere near as bad as a Batgirl blow-up. That's fair. I think it's one of those things where the magnitude wouldn't be as high, but the bad press would maybe carry out for a little bit longer, considering just how consistently good the praise has been for the show pretty much since day one. True. So, versus um, Batgirl, which, while it never came out, everything pointed to it being something really spectacular, and nothing came of that. So, granted, I will also say, if the show does get to more than five seasons, I'll be surprised. Same. I wouldn't be shocked if season four ends up being the final season. Again, haven't watched much of season three so far. But, if it goes beyond a fifth season, then I'll be surprised. Yeah. I will also be surprised. Delighted, but surprised. Delighted as well. You know what didn't escape the chopping block? The entirety of DC Fandom. Isn't that the big thing where they have DC fans show up and announce things? It's a virtual event, so nobody shows up, but... That's still not good. Well, the thing is, apparently they want to stick to announcing news out of different comic cons and what have you now that in-person events are going back. Mm. But also, mm. it's you, you know it's because they don't have enough DC stuff to show off right now. Nope. Because they're busy canceling it all. Yeah. And trying to make people forget about Ezra Miller's rampage. What, did Ezra Miller, did they do something stupid recently? You've... You've been here for the podcast, right? No, I know, something that we haven't covered yet. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, Warner Brothers would very much like us to forget. Okay, was, which, yeah, no no surprises there. But, but I refuse. The stuff they, yeah, it's like, with all the stuff they did, that's a tall order, Warner Brothers, just saying. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe they don't have the money to do fandom. <laughs> that, that's one of those things where... It's one of those things where it would be both nice and kind of sad, because I feel like it'd be one of those deals where, okay, so now you're feeling the consequences of your actions, but at what cost? $20 billion in market capital? God almighty, that's just amazing to me. And not in the, not the good kind of amazing. No, it's terrifying. Yeah. People are allowed to play with this much money in entertainments and just flush it. Yeah, it's just like, oh... Eh, shit happens. It's like, what, 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 excuse me? No, that's not just shit happens, that's... That's terrifying. Yeah, that's that's actually scary. And then, closing out comic movie adjacent news. Mm -hmm. You want to see how not to throw shade at somebody? Oh, absolutely. I'm all about people failing at throwing shade. Artist Mike Deodato Jr. posted on Instagram... Basically trying to say that the actor playing Namor was not the right musculature for the role, essentially. And I'm gonna share this post with you, which he has since taken down, because this is what oh he posted. Boy. The internet never forgets, ladies and gentlemen. That is him. That is... Oh. Oh, no. And it's like... No, that's... 
you might have a point. The musculature could probably be better for a guy who spends all of his time underwater. Mm -hmm. But, like, that ain't it, Chief. No, it is not. That 100% ain't it. No, that's... You picked the wrong battle there, son. And also, does... Of all the things that don't really matter as much anymore in adaptations, I feel mm. like being super jacked is one of them. Yeah, because we've had so many different interpretations of so many characters that it's been shown multiple times across, like, IPs that you can have portrayals with different characteristics and it still works just fine as long as more or less it stays true to what makes the character unique. I don't think using Logan as an example amongst his many qualities, I guess I wouldn't necessarily say that being ripped is one of them, or at least a major one. It definitely helps him a lot, but I feel like that's one of those things where as long as the character and the character being like angry and Knife handy all the time. Knife handy. <laughs> as long as that stays true, everything is fine. You deadass said knife handy. Yes, I did. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Mutant knifey hands. Mutant knife. I don't want to laugh because I'll start coughing like an idiot. Well, too bad because I'm not done making jokes. Fair enough. But yeah, I uh, suppose for a character like Namor, who is presumably spending a good chunk of his time shirtless, there's a little more of a point to be made, but... Yeah, that's fair. And then the final bit of news that I got. You remember how we brought up that there was going to be a Wonder Man series for the MCU? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ben Kingsley's coming back as Trevor Slattery. Oh, nice. Yeah. Alright, cool, cool. We don't know... To what extent he's going to show up, but sources have said he's going to play a major role. Alrighty. Which would track, because Wonder Man, among other things in the comics, has been an actor and a stuntman. Uh, oh. Like, that sounds like fun. After being superpowered, even. That sounds like fun. <laughs> right? Because can you imagine, just, if you had superpowers, especially anything flashy, like the ability to shoot beams out of your eyes... <laughs> what you could save on an effects budget? Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. That is one of those kind of like adjacent side stories that I would be much more interested in than the main stories. Kind of like how... To use an example, like I've always said how the prequel trilogy for Star Wars, I care much more about the background stuff, like the politics and whatnot, than anything to do with Anakin and his misadventures. It's kind of the same thing here, where I would genuinely be interested in a series of the life of a actor who has superpowers. <laughs> it does have a unique niche to it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The real thing I'm wondering is, when is this set? Hmm. Does this mean that Trevor has managed to leave Talo, or is this before he ever got kidnapped by the Mandarin in the first place? I can see this being set before he's kidnapped by the Mandarin. Same. I think that would make the most sense. The downside honesty. of that, though, is no Morris. Hmm. Actually, yeah, it's the thing, like, how does he meet Morris? That's, that's, that would be a question worth answering. He meets Morris while in the Mandarin's captivity. Oh, that's right, he does. Yeah. 
And uh, that's why if it's set before then, it would make sense, but I will be sad, because no Morris. Mm, no we need Morris. more Morris. All the Morris. More Morris, more now. Morris. Oh, okay. Alright, as I say, I just said a completely incoherent sentence, and then you just do that. Moranis Morissette. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. Nope. Trailer time? Trailer time. Should we start with the, with the obvious? <laughs> Please. Alright. Sorry. No, it's not good. <laughs> we got the first trailer for Blood and Honey, the Winnie the Pooh slasher movie. I don't like horror movies, and I really want to see this. And not for any good reasons whatsoever. But I I really want to see this, actually. This looks hilarious. <laughs> Everything about this looks like a tragedy. It does, and I am all for it. It This does feel like one of those projects where, I know this isn't how it works because this doesn't make any sense, but this does feel like something where someone made this like a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, in the last few years, but they made it specifically waiting for the day that the um, copyright whatever for Winnie the Pooh expired. Because they're like, I gotta put this out. It's gotta <laughs> happen the same I gotta damn do it. week. It's like, there's no way I am not... It's like, I do feel like someone has been... Some twisted motherfucker has been sitting on this idea for, like, years. And then they're like, oh, now's my fucking chance. <laughs> my time has come! <laughs> I... I am... This is... I don't... Mm, I don't know how to describe my feelings about this. I do really want to see this... I don't think it's going to be good, but I am very keenly interested on what it does with the whole Winnie the Pooh story. Because it seems like the basic premise of it is, like, Winnie and Piglet went nuts because Christopher Robin left the Hundred Acre Wood and wasn't seen for forever and then just shit just went sideways. So it's like, I this is one of those things where it's like, I am deeply interested in the series of events that got us to our current situation. Yeah. Also, this looks like it's Winnie the Pooh related in the laziest way possible. Mm. Which I think is the funniest part. <laughs> because Pooh and Piglet do not look like animals. No, they don't. They just look like if Michael Myers had a Winnie the Pooh mask. <laughs> <a hockey> mask. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> Now I'm just imagining... Great, now I'm going to have to rewatch Halloween later on within the next two months, and all I'm going to be able to think about is Michael Myers with a fucking Winnie the Pooh mask. I'm sorry to have cursed this on you. Oh, boy. How long do we think Christopher Robin's going to last? Oh, not long at all. Neat. Prologue death? Well, I don't know, because there was the whole bit in it where he's like, I'm sorry, I never would have left. Like, okay, maybe he does actually last a little while. I think that's so, a prologue death. Yeah, I don't think he's going to live to the end of the movie, that's for damn sure. Oh, no, definitely not. Mm. I think it's going to be Christopher Robin and his girlfriend or fiancé or whatever die very early in, and then Pooh and Piglet go wandering out of the Hundred Acre Wood. 
and those other characters are going to be the main characters. Yeah. Which sounds terrible. No, I I do think this is going to be one of those movies where everyone dies. Like, it's only, like, Pooh and Piglet at the end. I wonder what... Tigger's not in the public domain, is he? I don't think he is yet. No, I don't think so. One sec, I'm Googling it. Ends up being that Tigger is in the movie, and he's like Jimmy the Cop from John Wick. He is still copyright protected. Ah, uh, does it say for how long, though? One moment. Oh, apparently it's because he first debuted in 1928. Oh, okay, so what, another six years or so, then? Yeah, apparently it's because he came after the rest of the cast, so... Ah, uh, fair oh, enough. Oh, God, sequel bait! Yep! Yeah. Hey, there we are! There it goes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like, here's the sequel, in six years, better hold on to your butts. The worst part is, if this wasn't marketed as a Winnie the Pooh horror movie, I wouldn't give a shit. Oh yeah, no, it it is the fact that it's Winnie the Pooh the only reason I'm even interested in it. Just because, again, this is someone's twisted idea that they've had sitting on forever, and I want to see how deep it goes. If it was anything beyond that, I would have no interest in seeing it in theaters whatsoever. And Winnie the Pooh being near and dear to my heart, I feel like I should be a little more outraged at the presence of this. But, like, what the hell, man? Yeah. It, they can make it. They can make it. And it's, I mean, relatively speaking, a somewhat original idea. Like, it, it's it, overall, it isn't. But the mashing, it's like Air slasher movie. original. Yeah, but it's a combination of, like, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're making a slasher movie. What we need to kind of paint for. Uh, let's go with Winnie the Pooh paint. That sounds that sounds pretty dope. <laughs> so, here's something that confuses me. Mm-hmm. The premise of this film is Pooh and Piglet have fallen back on their animal instincts to survive because Christopher Robin left them and I guess all their food ran out or whatever. Why do they have clothes then? That That's not my question, but that is a good question. <laughs> And apparently they ate Eeyore. Oh, Jesus Christ. My question is, why is Piglet still alive? Mmm. Bears and pigs do not typically cooperate in the wild. No, they do not. At least, my understanding is they do not typically cooperate in the wild. Yeah. And it seems to me that while neither of them would have teamed up with Eeyore, because Eeyore mm. is not a predator... No. I guess pigs are omnivorous, so that might be why, but... If a bear and a pig were to come to blows, my money's <laughs> on the bear. Yeah, same. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Maybe there's a reason for this a lot. I doubt it. I doubt there no, is. No, there, there absolutely will not be a reason given in the movie, but still looking forward to this magnificently fucked up train wreck. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Shame there's no release date yet. Yeah, no. Shall we switch to medieval? Uh, sh sure. I don't... This is another movie where... I don't think this is a real movie. I... I had no strong feelings with this trailer. I think in large part it is because it was a red band trailer, and it just shows just people getting, like, fucking eviscerated. I'm like... Okay, is there anything, you know, as far as the characters or anything I should care about? Or is like, no, we're just gonna, like, watch people get chopped to bits. 
Oh, yeah, people are getting mutilated and losing body parts like they're going out of style. Yeah, this is one of those weird things where it's almost like the Hellboy movie, in a sense. It's what this trailer reminded me of, because at a certain point with the Hellboy movie, the mutilation got to a point where I actually said, movie, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's kind of the feeling I got from this trailer. It's like, can you give me anything about, like, what's going on, besides the whole thing of, like, someone's trying to kill this princess? It's like, is there anything else going on besides killing princess and chopping people's heads off? No. Oh. Are... Mm. Apparently, this is a Czech historical drama film. Okay. Huh. I don't know if that's supposed to help. Normally, I'm all for historical-based films, but this ain't it, Chief. <laughs> and also, apparently, the most expensive Czech film ever made. Really? Yeah. What is the budget? $23 million U.S. dollars. Huh. That's not a big budget. No. Hmm, okay. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't think I have an immediate interest in seeing it, but I I, I don't know. Well, no, I don't have an immediate interest in seeing it, in large part because of what I just said. I am definitely curious to see how it gets initially received, though. Yeah, I might go see it at some point this weekend, time permitting. Maybe, if if there's nothing else, like, worthwhile. Well, it's... That, and there's one other thing that's coming out this weekend, I believe. Yeah, that'd be Barbarian. Ah, right, right. So I guess we'll find out that- The the music choice is really confusing for me. Yeah, the music did not fit this trailer theme at all. Which, I guess, makes it a more interesting pick than most other movies of its kind, where I would expect some kind of- chanting and, you know, yeah. hollowed out bone instruments or something. It's it, it instantly reminded me of this final trailer for the Elvis movie and how, I don't know what the song was, but how they chose like a hip-hop song for that. It's like, no, that just like completely takes me out, given yeah. the subject of the movie and when it takes place in. Part of my brain did kind of go crazy with that, because like, okay, is this kind of a thing of how people thought Elvis's music was degenerate, just kind of like how hip-hop was considered degenerate. It's like, no, Greg, there's a 40-year like time gap between these two. You need to stop. <laughs> stop making connections. Yeah. Yeah, the music choice was very off for this trailer. I'll agree. Still, I think it looked better than Slayers, at least. A.K.A. Frank Castle Vampire Slayer. Can you hear the applause? <laughs> I was like, please, I was to say, it's like, when I saw Thomas Jane, it's like, oh, okay, this makes more sense now. <laughs> I like how apparently the only warning he gave them was just, you're all in trouble. Yeah, and that's it. It's like, okay, I guess that's plenty to work off of. It's like this fucking crazy dude in the middle of the desert. Someone looks at it, it's like, didn't you like kill a mafia boss in Tampa at one point? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who looks suspiciously uh, like John Travolta? If I have seen other Thomas Jane movies, The Punisher is the only one I actually remember, so. Yeah. You know what this movie feels like to me? Mm-hmm. This feels to me like a movie that would have been made in the cabin in the woods. Yeah, it, it does kind of give that feel a little bit. For me, what kind of 
what really kind of put me out of it was there's a couple particular camera angles, and I don't know how to describe it, but I think you know they're kind of like the the B tier camera angles or camera shots where it's just like kind of like okay, this is this is not there's not a lot going into this, is there? Everything's on a <laughs> tilt. Yeah, I mean to be honest, the only the only like slight bit of interest I have in it. It's kind of one of those movies for me where I saw the trail. I'm like, okay, so I don't expect this to be good. I'm just curious as to how deep this goes. How, how far does this get dragged on? And also Thomas Jane. I like that, that. can't believe the thing that didn't turn you off of it was the red vampire eyes and teeth. That was just, that was a uh, I mean, bad effect. It was a bad effect, but by that point in the trailer, it, my brain had already registered not a lot of good stuff going on here so it kind of like glossed over that in all honesty and also you're telling me there's a whole team of streamers where like oh one is the best at youtube somehow Mm -hmm. one is i guess the best at social media which which one and one is queen of online shopping what does that mean those are arguably all the same thing yeah, like, how can you be a pro at online... What does that mean to be a pro at online shopping? Are you good at making content? On what platform? Is this Twitch? Yeah. Let's Do you post it on Instagram? Nope, wait, that's social media! Being a pro on online shopping makes me think that there's gonna... Makes me think of, like, so do you have, like, the YouTube equivalent of, like, Pawn Stars or something like that? <laughs> uh. mm. Yeah, I don't know. I might see this one depending on what's out at the same time. Yeah, that, that's... I think it's getting a limited release. I'm not surprised by that, in all honesty. Nah, it's also going digital at the same time. Hmm. Hmm. Does not surprise me the slightest. Nope. Shall we get into this weekend's box office? For sure. Alright. Which I'm actually I'm very curious about as well, since Saturday was National Cinema Day, so there's a bunch of people... So... Th- I guess I only learned about that when I got to the theater and it's like, yeah, movie tickets are $3. Like, oh, wait, really? It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, that explains why it's so damn busy. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, despite the busyness, the winner of this weekend's box office ended up being Top Gun Maverick. Are you fucking serious? (laughs) It'll never be stopped. No. How much did it make? 7.9 7.9 million domestically this weekend. See, now, the problem is that that's the number one with that much. That means that it was not a good weekend for a lot of movies then. <laughs> nah. That does put Ugh. Top Gun Maverick at $701.2 million domestically for a $1.44 billion worldwide total. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, well, obviously the next winner would be Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff edition that we left out of the blu-ray deleted scenes mm-hmm. and you would be wrong oh good second place was bullet train good yeah took in 7.33 million domestically for an 87.8 million domestic total and 197.3 million dollars worldwide mm-hmm. so that's good for it good i think its budget was fun. 90 million which means it's actually making some money at this point Good, it's a fun movie and it deserves to make money. So I think that was the budget. Hmm. Yep, 90 mil. Excellent. Then in third place, we have Spider-Man, the deleted scene from Blu-ray cut. 
God, that's still disgusting. Yep. Made $6.55 mm. domestic, and it is at $9.1 million worldwide for the re-release. Uh, so much for making a more billion dollars. Yeah, I I hope it doesn't. I hope honestly, I hope it like just drops off hard after this weekend. You know what? Just release it a second time, like Morbius. <laughs> Why not? That's basically what this is. <laughs> no, I mean re-release this version a second time. Oh, and you know what's sad is that if they do do that, I'm pretty sure it would still make more money than Morbius a second release. <laughs> That's not hard. No, it's not. But no, can, can you imagine how much this has to sting for them that their movie was super high grossing in 2022 or mm. 2021 when it released across 2022 from when they mm. released it in 2021 and then they re-release it and it gets beat out by a movie that's been in theaters since when was that? July? Jesus Christ, it's been since fucking July. <laughs> actually, wait, when did Top Gun Maverick come out? I'm pretty sure it was July. Or it might have actually been sooner now, I think about it. That came out in May! Oh, did it? That movie came out at the end of fucking May! <laughs> <coughs> That's... Honestly, it's a... Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I am back into being okay with the movie making money, then. Like, I'm back around to being mad about it. <laughs> I mean, we swap places. How about that? Because you know what? I have to give props for a movie that is still making, for some godforsaken reason, millions of dollars for May, June, July, August. Five months. <laughs> well, it was the end of May, so it's more like four. But still. It's more like four. Well, actually, it's more like three because September just started. But. Ah, fair. That's still nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. Especially for a sequel to a movie that came out almost 30 years ago. <laughs> no, wait! 35? No, Actually, it's over 35 years ago. Yeah, because I think the first Top Gun was, what, 1986? Yeah, never mind. I'm bad at math. Yeah. <laughs> so in fourth place, <laughs> good God. DC League of Super Pets, which pulled $6.3 million domestically for an $81.7 million domestic total and $161 million worldwide. And in fifth place, The Invitation, at $6 million really? domestic for a $13.7 million domestic total and $18.5 million worldwide. What is The Invitation's budget? $10 million. Huh. Okay, they might actually make a profit then. Which, yeah, that would... That would track. It feels like a $10 million horror movie. <laughs> Honestly, that's what they need more of. Mm. They need more smaller budgeted movies. Can I just say how fascinating it is that saying that something is like, yep, yeah, this definitely has $10 million worth of work put into it. It's like a jab. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that is, that really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it's something that I never thought about as a kid seeing movies, but as an adult, it's just like, it's more mo It's like, if I had, like, t like $2 million, that would be more money than I would know what to do with. And then it's like, oh, $10 million in the movie industry? Ah, oh, that's like, just piss in that's the wind. That's chump change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'd like to make a superhero movie. Oh, yeah, how, for how much? $10 million? <laughs> Get out of here. Get it. It's like, hey, um, 1990, um, Captain America called. You want to steal a Volkswagen? 
What? Yeah, what superhero? Robin? No, I was thinking like Dr. Fate. <laughs> Dr. Fate! You gotta hear... Jim, you gotta hear what this guy said he wants to make for $10 million! <laughs> uh, Dr. Fate? <laughs> and then they both die laughing. Uh, like, like, literally just die laughing. It's like, what happened to our, like, marketing executives? It's I don't know what you're talking about, Riley <laughs> squeaks out the front door. I told him I wanted to make a Dr. Fate movie for $10 million. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I think that's enough making jokes to cope with the horrifying gap in regular mm. expenditures versus entertainment expenditures. Yes. <laughs> this week we saw Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Yes, we did. We both did. I don't know, how do you want to start this? <laughs> I understand why this got the ratings it did. Because, for reference, it is currently sitting at 73% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 26% audience score. Mm. Which... That's... A gap. That is a big gap. However... I think an important thing to note is that the one trailer I saw made the movie out to be much more of a comedy. Yeah, it and it does kind of stick it around as a comedy until the first, like, third or half of the movie or so. After which, it still has comedic elements, but it does get more yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to provide a basic summary, the movie is about a husband and wife who are the heads of a former megachurch that was disgraced after a scandal, trying to claw their way back up to the big leagues and launch a revival of their church, going to the point of hiring a film crew to make a documentary about them. Mm -hmm. And uh, shit spirals out of control. Very quickly. Like, very quickly. But not for the reasons you might expect. <laughs> so, I do understand why audiences would have taken to it, given that, because I feel like from a critic perspective, if you think you're going to go see a comedy, and yeah, there's some laughs in it, but it's also actually a pretty good drama exploring the exploitative power of megachurches and organized religion, and the difficulties of juggling that and a marriage... Mm -hmm. then for you, if you're a critic, that's a pleasant surprise, I would mm -hmm. think. If you're an audience member who wanted to go see a comedy, and you see that, you're walking away feeling a little cheated. I would say for me, this is, because I generally, for most movies that I watch, I am generally more so of the audience mindset than the critic mindset. Especially since, I'll be completely honest, a lot of like calls I make trying to be more on the critic side, I tend to get wrong. But I do definitely feel like this is one of the few times where I see a, a movie and definitely side more with how the critics view it. Honestly, for me, Considering what happens and what the subject matter is, the movie, in a lot of ways, is a very pleasant, if not a couple times, slightly predictable surprise. Especially just because of the shenanigans that get pulled in the movie. And also some of the lines that get pulled in the movie. This movie has one of my favorite lines I've ever heard in any film. <laughs> I'll agree to that. <laughs> but I do also understand how the movie 
what would be jarring to an audience if it's not what you paid for. It's also a thing of, I can see how, again, given the subject matter, there might be some people who are mildly put off because maybe some of the topics hit a bit too close to home. Yeah. I think it also doesn't help engaging audience reaction, at least, that Mm -hmm. the way the movie starts feels like it's going to be more of that comedic angle. Yeah. But it gradually peels back the layers to reveal that what's going on is a bit more horrifying and tragic than you'd expect. And that is actually my favorite part about this movie overall. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, it is a thing of like, especially, there's a portion at the end of the movie, in the last like 20 minutes of the movie, or actually two, two moments, where it really dawned on me like what they've been trying to do of like just kind of slowly unraveling everything that surrounds this movie as far as the characters and how, what they're like as people, like the commentary and all that. And it's then at that point, it's like, oh, oh, I like what's going on here. Like, this is one of those things where they're not like, like being super aggressive, but they're also not like, like being kind either, but they're doing it in a really cool and semi-subtle way where if you're paying attention once you see it, or actually there's multiple times where it can hit it depending on what kind of, like what you're paying attention to. But if you're sticking with it enough, you get hit with it. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is cool now. (laughs) At least for me. Yeah. It's cool and also mildly depressing, but still cool. (laughs) It drops just enough breadcrumbs where I didn't see where it was going at first. Mm -hmm. But then once I realized it it was just really cool to look back and just go like, oh, yeah, no, that that tracks. Yeah. That 100%. tracks in a disgustingly appropriate way. <laughs> yes, very much so. The emphasis on disgusting as well. <laughs> also, I want to point out everybody in this movie is expressive as all hell. Everyone in this movie does a really good job as far as... The, the acting was top-notch in this movie. Yeah, the acting in general was good, but specifically, it feels like all the main players have the ability to sell so much emotion and turmoil with a look. Yeah, and it, it's... I do like how... Even... It's one of those things where for all of the characters, especially the Sumter couple the husband Sumter, who are kind of the, I don't know if they're supposed to be the antagonists per se. Pastor Sumter and Pastor Sumter? Yes. The way that they carry themselves, it's a really cool thing of both of them, and husband Pastor Sumter especially, are really good at communicating an awful lot about how they're feeling and how they're going about things while saying very little. Or at very, or at minimum, communi- like saying things in a way that try to kind of tone down what's actually being communicated by how they act and how they move around. Like Confidence, who's the actor who plays um, Keon Sum- Pastor Keon Sumter, he could actually be a really good villain. <laughs> like he's either just like the biggest, like most like lovable goof. Or he's not, and he's a lot better at hiding his own shrewdness than his wife. But in regardless, his actor was great. There were a couple points where I was just like, 
this dude could be a villain, like, in a pretty good-sized movie, and it would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably give it up to Regina Hall, because when mm-hmm. when the bits of her facade start to crack mm-hmm. at any given point, it's always unsettling, and it's always well done. Yeah, it's very well done. And you can and see such... all the pent-up frustration... And all the pent up, this is what I have been trying to build my life around. Mm-hmm. And it's, you you just feel it. Yeah. No, um, Regina Hall and her character and whatnot, she was, she was definitely like the star of it all, in large part. Because this movie kind of does an interesting thing where... There's no one to really root for in this movie. There's not really a good person. But it does do this of a cool thing where even though the characters, the main characters especially, are just not great people at all, the movie does a really good job of giving you reasons to at least empathize with them and understand what they're going through. And that I thought was very well done. And again, with Regina Hall playing um, Trinity Childs, the movie is definitely more focused on her and all the crap that she has to deal with in her situation a lot of it if which is stuff that she more or less refuses to like make the actual right choice about you can still see how she got to the point where she's is and with that you can see why she's making the facade that she currently has yeah i think i don't know about you i think we're just about good to move into spoilers yeah it, yeah, like, I, I think that covers, like, kind of the nitty-gritty of it all. Yeah, I would definitely say this movie's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how frequently I would watch it again, but I would definitely give it a rewatch at least one other time. It's just yeah. a lot. It is a lot. It is... There's a couple points where it's like you, you really do need to be paying attention but otherwise, I would say this is also definitely one that's worth going to theaters to see. Agreed. So, if you don't want to get spoiled on Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul, uh, click away because spoilers will be coming in 3, 2, 1, go. Alright. So, for me, if I did have any kind of issues with this movie, and I don't know if you felt felt the same way picked up on it there were a couple moments where the big movers of the plot were for me things that i was able to predict more or less like before they were introduced um the first one being like when it's shown early in the movie that the church is closing due to a scandal i immediately go it's some kind of sex scandal isn't it and it's like yeah pastor accused of sexual misconduct it's like I did actually, because I did take some notes after I got out, and I did say, as absolutely terrible as it sounds, like, why is it always a sex scandal? Because the thing with this movie, and with this megachurch in particular, is that they establish, like, the pastor establishes, is like, yeah, because of all the donations and how many people show up, I have beautiful cars, I have private jets, I have helicopters and whatnot. Yeah, why is that never the thing? Yeah, and it's a thing of like, okay, so I feel like there'd be a cool thing here of like, maybe he got into some like money laundering or something. Like, it would at least be different. I understand why they someone might not go for that, because I feel like that would have a they would have a harder time making that work. 
but it would at least be something different. And again, it would also do a good job banging in the commentary of how a lot of mega churches have a grifting nature to them. You know, taking the money of, I don't want to say gullible people, but just like very, you know, easy to take advantage of. And then the other portion for me was the bit where they show a recorded previous service. By the way, all the portions where it's like pre-recorded services, I a lot of that brought me back to my childhood because I do remember like going to see my grandmother in West Palm Beach and she would watch those. And it was the same grainy ass camera footage. <laughs> yeah, that was a really and, good effect. Yeah, and I've seen a couple, I've been able to like peek in on a couple of like newer televised services in the last 10 years or so. And it's still that same grainy ass um, picture <laughs> quality. And it's like, yep, that's the service quality. All right. But the other bit was the thing of like where he's going. is like the one thing I do not stand with at all is the homosexual agenda. And Eli just went, he's gay, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was kind of off my game with this one because I did not predict much of anything. Mm. I, when I heard the scandal first broke because they weren't talking about what kind of scandal it was, I just assumed that they messed up something on their taxes and got busted for the fact that they were taking advantage of their followers' generosity to profit mm. themselves. Yeah. And once it got out that it was a sex scandal and they were talking about everybody being of age, I was like, oh, okay, so he had an extramarital affair. All right, with people younger than him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it got to, oh, it was younger men who were looking up to him, and it's like, oh. Oh, no. Yeah, and, it, and it was a group of younger men, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it just kind the movie just does this thing where when it comes to just how awful and how sociopathic especially both of these people are, it just keeps on thinking, going like, oh, you think it couldn't be worse? Uh, give me just five minutes. <laughs> yeah, because Sterling K. Brown is really charismatic as Lee Curtis, but as they start to, as they keep unraveling more of the mystery, mm -hmm. exposing not only what he did, but how self-centered and neglectful he is in his marriage. Yeah, that was, um... So, the thing for me on this is, I, like, just to kind of put this out there, because I don't know, this might be one of those things where someone takes it the wrong way. I have no personal, like, vendetta or whatever against religion. I am very much someone who believes this. As long as you're happy and you're not hurting people, I do not care what you do. But with a lot of how um, Sterling Brown as Lee Curtis Childs carries himself and how he, how charismatic he is and whatnot, there was a lot of that where, again, I was like, oh, I've seen that kind of thing before. Not because, at least to my knowledge, no pastors that I have ever like interacted with have been in any major scandals, but just the way he carries himself as a pastor is all stuff that, again, reminded me of like being a kid because I went to church until I was like, 13, 14 or so. And so... That was kind of one of those things where, for me, I really, in a sense, appreciated that just because of how much it drove home just the two-faced nature of this guy. <laughs> like, this dude's super charismatic, but it does, at least in the first bit, hide how much of a piece of shit he is. And the craziest thing is, I don't even think he's especially two-faced in that I don't 
think he's necessarily deceptive by nature. I think no. he's just mm-hmm. so wrapped up in himself, he genuinely believes, this is my purpose, this is what I'm here to do, and if I stray, I'll just get back up and everything's fine, because the good that I'm doing is going to be greater than any harm that I have done. And he yeah. cannot see past that. Yeah, and that's which comes to a head when one of the men that he had the um the scandal with actually straight up calls him out. Oh yeah, Khalil. Uh, which was interesting. Yeah. I actually caught that part from when they were talking about the settlement with the lawyers and how there was one holdout. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned the name Khalil, and then when he pops up, I'm like, oh, no! Yeah, no, when I heard his name, I was like, okay, and then when it showed his name on the screen, I'm like, oh, oh, what's about to go down? That was definitely a portion of the movie where I was actually getting a little anxious, because it's like, okay, what is about to happen? But the way Khalil just confronts him, and especially the way where he tells him to go fuck himself, was really cool. Because I felt like, watching that, it's like, this is the first time that this dude has ever been brought down to the same level of everyone else. And you see it on his face, too. Where it's like, the the fact that he tells him to, to like go fuck himself, or being like how, how high and haughty he is. It's a thing of like, this is the probably the first time either in his life, or at least in a very long time, where he is no longer up on a pedestal. Yeah, he's not engaging with his wife, he's not engaging with his few remaining congregants, and he is not engaging with quote-unquote equals in the Sumters, who mm-hmm. are passive-aggressively polite, but still willing to treat him on his level. Yeah. Here you've got, like you said, one person who's like, nah, you're coming down here. Yep. And and I'm going to show you how painful it... Just give you a taste of how painful it has been for me as a normal person versus you high on your pedestal. That I very much enjoyed. I thought that whole bit was done very well. And again, it was a whole thing of, you know, this is a very tense moment because, like, you had no idea what was going on with the way that the character presented himself and all that it was one of those things where i honestly thought that a bit of violence was about to come out but the way that was done was definitely a lot better yeah it also kind of goes to show just how detached from reality Mm. lee curtis is that at no point and honestly trinity too that at no point during any of this do they try social media well, what what really drove home how detached they are was during the whole bit. Although there was kind of a... This scene didn't really make sense to me too much, in a sense, because it was a thing of like, okay, so they're trying to communicate how much of a creep Lee Curtis Childs is. But the moment where it is also thinking like, okay, this dude just has complete detachment, was during the scene where he was talking to the camera guy, telling him how, you know, he made a settlement or he finalized the settlement and they were free of this whole thing and immediately starts hitting on him. Yeah. And it's like, bruh, like, A, gross. B, you just got out of the fire and now you're dousing yourself with gasoline. It was something else. Yeah. Like, the, the honestly, them not using social media, that was kind of one of... For me, personally, it would have been weird if they did use social media. But, like... <laughs> 
Because at first I I was wondering when is this set? Like maybe there's just not a lot of maybe social media is just not prevalent. But mm-hmm. then you see phones in this movie and they're newer phones. Like they're not yeah. the newest thing. But it's like you would think if you wanted to reach large numbers of people, mm-hmm. that would be the go-to. Because yeah, you no. can always try to filter out the bad press at least yeah and that was especially weird because with a lot of the outside things that were shown about the town that they're in this town is filled to the brim with young people yeah and especially since they did have amongst like the most faithful portions of their congregate that still showed up there's like a gentleman who like looks like he's in his maybe like mid to late 20s early 30s and then one of the um congregates has like a young teenage daughter and it's like you've got two people right here who can help you out with that more than likely so in that sense i do see how that's kind of weird because like no that would have been the best overall way so she says it's not shown at any point that the sumters were doing that as far as i remember oh yeah no i don't think it's a plot hole or anything i don't think it's an error i just think it's there to show just how bad they are at this and how they are destined to fail because they cannot grasp the most obvious solutions case in point his ultimate Hail Mary to get attention is not just stand outside on the side of the road with a Honk for Jesus sign, but to have his wife put on face paint and mime. And no, we are not kidding, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I was kidding, because it's such a... It's such a... (laughs) Mean thing to do. When there's so many other options to reduce your wife to an basically a performative <laughs> clown, it was a thing of when he first when he said the word. I think he said it. I think he described it as like praise miming. I in my seat went, "You are not about to do this to this woman." And then you just hear, and I did love the effect that they put in the movie where wherever Regina's like um, whatever her like facade is being broken or wherever she's making a decision that goes against what she actually wants to do there's like kind of a similar whatever that's like going off and constantly ringing and then it just gets more and more and more intense and then it switches over to her with the face paint i'm like oh my god they actually fucking did it (laughs) yeah which is just the perfect visual metaphor for everything going on oh yeah it's like complete clown show at that point especially because i don't usually notice that stuff Mm. at least not on the first go Mm. It takes me a while to engage with visual metaphor. Yeah. Well, for me, like, again, with the whole, like, bell thing, that was something that it took me a minute because I thought it was part of the score. But then it's like, oh, oh, no, this is actually a, this is a signal. This is a signal. It, it became especially apparent during the very failed sex scene. <laughs> Which, very early f- look into how their dysfunctional marriage operates. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of one of those things like, okay, this is this is neat. This is a neat kind of alarm to the audience. I legitimately thought at the end she was going to snap and like stab him or something. Yeah, when at the very end, when the when that Ford Mustang is doing donuts in their parking lot, I just had no idea what was going to go. I thought that she was, especially since like literally like not even two minutes ago before that, she said, I would rather kill my husband than leave him. And it's the thing of like, oh, we're about to get it, ain't we? Because it's like either that or either like there were two gangsters in the, in the 
car who were affiliated with Khalil and they were going to go and shoot them. I thought those were going to be the two most likely things. Same. Also, that final bit just does reinforce the belief I've had since I was a small child, where false character caricatures of religious um, figures are still, by far and away, the creepiest fucking sin. Because <laughs> <laughs> when the camera just pans over to Black Jesus and just sits on him for like a good few seconds, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. That is actually... <laughs> That was my least favorite part of going to church as a kid. Honestly, being surrounded by all that shit. <laughs> I'll agree, especially because it spent so long on her face at that point. I was mm. like, okay, where's the. When's the other shoe gonna drop? Yeah. I'm glad it didn't, but. Mm hmm. Still. Yeah, no. Let's see, what else was there? I. Like, kind of minor things. The little girl at the beginning is definitely one of the best parts of the movie. <laughs> How she's like just all full on into it, and it's like, because at a certain point I'm going like for for how for how much she's like getting into it, it's like okay maybe she actually does like believe in this shit, and then she goes, I've always loved the theater. It's like you girl, girl, yep. <laughs> let's get it. And then there's a bit where Regina and and Lee are talking in a pool, trying to plan out their next move, and just out of nowhere, Lee Curtis Childs just goes. Jesus was all about the shock factor, baby. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I did not see that coming. It's one of the best lines I've ever heard in any movie. <laughs> nice. And that's all I have. <laughs> I just was astounded from the start at stuff like them going through their giant closet that they were still storing at the megachurch. Mm-hmm. And just all the different Pradas. It's just like, this is actually obscene. Yeah, no. Again, the it kind of goes a bit over the top, but it is, like I said, the movie does a good job of being a somewhat subtle, but still very hard to miss commentary on the nature of megachurches. Because for me, what got it was, because he was always talking about having the expensive cars and, and the whatever. For me, what got it was the scene where they're standing outside of their house and there is a brand new, and actually brand new, this car came out, like, not even, like, within the last year, or year and a half, Ferrari F8 in front of their house. <laughs> and it's like, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it It is a thing of, like, I did very much enjoy the commentary on that, because it is kind of one of those things where, I, I mean, I have to be honest and say I'm not fully knowledgeable about the nature of megachurches, especially not being a particularly religious individual. But it is still one of the things where it it is just kind of gross, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Just kind of grifting people like that and then gaslighting them. Which the movie basically establishes like within the first ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I think unless you got something else. No, I've pretty much exhausted everything. I still stand by what I said earlier, where this movie is neat. It's definitely worth seeing. If you do go and see it, it's not a total comedy. The first quarter, the first like third to a half is very comedic, but even but after that, while there's still comedic elements, it does take a more serious and more kind of slightly depressing tone. I'd call it an so, uncomfortable comedy all the way through. It's a uncomfortable comedy is exactly how I would describe this movie. I feel like there's got to be a better term for that. Hmm. 
I mean, that still works because it's like uncomfortable comedy with an emphasis on the uncomfort. Like, not quite to BoJack Horseman levels, but, you know, uh, what's something that takes, like, I, oh, I can't think of duh, it. Oh, duh, cringe person. comedy. Mm, there yeah. we go. Yeah, a more well-done cringe comedy. I mean, specifically, Wikipedia says, a type of cringe comedy or pseudo-reality TV show is sometimes with an air of a mockumentary. So, mm. I would say that definitely... Oh, yeah, that, that does actually fit. Like, All right, yeah, I knew there had to be a term for it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I guess, if we're going to start wrapping up, next week, we've got two options. Mm-hmm. Again. One is medieval, and the other is barbarian. Or, maybe, I'll force myself to sit through an almost three-hour Hindi movie, and we'll see what happens there. If you do that, I would be much more interested about hearing your thoughts about that. We'll see. I doubt it. If I do see it, it's probably not going to be until after the next week's podcast records. But oh, yeah. we'll see. Mm. In any case, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, follow us on Spotify and RSS, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you have any feedback or anything like that, please let us know in the comments. Please do. I crave validation. Or I'll take a you suck. Here's what here's what you should do instead. Uh, well, you know, ideally something much more constructive than that. But constructive criticism is always welcome. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, aka the Scarlet Troll. And this has been Under the Bridge, also with Greg. Indeed, it has. And I bid you all good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>